The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Well, 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 a live show on a Friday. That must mean the uh, college football regular season has come to an end and we can finally bring back the live Friday shows. Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner and Travion Berkeley. Just us two in studio today as there are other two hosts all over the Midwest right now, all over the central time zone. Troy Coverdale will join us live in hour number two from Hayes, America. They'll have a Manhattan Girls and Boys doubleheader tonight from the Hayes Middle School as they're both on the Constellation side of the bracket. Manhattan Girls face Hugoton at 6 in approximately an hour and a half, hour 45 after that as Manhattan High boys will be taking on Sunrise Christian Academy. Not the David Castillo level of, of Sunrise Christian Academy. It's like their secondary team that lost their first round game to Hugoton. Uh, yesterday in Hayes. So Troy Coverdale will join us at, uh, for uh, the second segment of hour number two, which is going to be a Friday version of Mitch in Vegas. It's going to be a conference championship version of Mitch in Vegas. Pac-12 championship is tonight, and of course tomorrow morning, Big 12 championship matchup, Oklahoma State and Texas will square off at 11 a.m. from Jones AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Nelly performing at halftime be televised on ABC. A pretty disgusting story out of Stillwater earlier today. There is a, a farmhouse frat in Stillwater that woke up to a disgusting surprise on its front, uh, I guess, sidewalk. Um, it was a dead longhorn. was just lying there on the ground, and written on its side was blank... FH. Very confusing because if that was like Texas people, Texas Longhorn fans coming up to Stillwater and leaving a dead Longhorn on the ground, why would they use its own mascot basically to send a message? It's kind of it's so confusing. But I mean, I mean, if I were to make any joke, I, I don't want to make any jokes about this. Like it's very like mob mentality on whoever's doing this. It's like a threat, but also intimidation with this game at the same time. But it's a truly disgusting story. It's one of the. I mean, when it comes to Big Twelve athletics, you. I remember that frat story out of Oklahoma back in the day. This doesn't ever really happen. This is very like Animal House 1970s stuff. But it's been all over t- all over social media today. Um, I know Stillwater, the police have talked about this. They're investigating the situation. Nobody knows who done it other than the farmhouse uh, frat members in Stillwater had nothing to do with it. So very, uh, very crazy story down south. Meanwhile, uh, very good K-State sports news here. Very good news. I was hoping this would be the case. She has made her decision. K-State senior Aaliyah Carter from the K-State volleyball team. A three-time All-Big 12 first-team outside hitter slash opposite hitter. Aaliyah Carter has made her decision. She will be returning to K-State for her super senior year. 
right now, K-State should be playing in the NCAA tournament, and they're not. And the volleyball team, like we talked with uh, Jason Mansfield, head coach of volleyball earlier this week, they fell victim to the RPI game. And some of their non-con stuff was against opponents that didn't turn out to be very good. So the committee looked at that over uh, what K-State was able to do when they won games, and that is dominate at home against top 25, top 10 opponents for pretty much the entire season, with the exception of Nebraska, who came into town early. But 18 straight, straight set wins at home, beating a top five Texas team, beating a top 25 BYU team twice. They decided to go RPI over um, wins. But uh, congratu- congratulations to KCA Volleyball. Congratulations to Aaliyah Carter. That is obviously a huge piece of K-State's success this season coming back for her last year of eligibility. Now, moving on from that, uh, a lot of things I want to touch on here in the first segment. We'll have a Mitch Palm against North Alabama in our number two as well. Song of the day, and uh, we're going to have our weekly conversation in press conference form with K-State women's basketball head coach Jeff Mitty coming up here soon as well. Wanted to touch on a number of things here in this first segment. Uh, any KU fans listening to this, are you drinking yet? It's Friday, time to let loose, right? But, I mean, if you're a KU fan, this has been a hectic day. And it's not even close to being over. First of all, what's coming up tonight is a top top five matchup at Allen Fieldhouse between UConn and KU. These are the last two national champions squaring off in the Big East Big 12 Challenge. Um, KU's going to need to play a lot better basketball than they did against Eastern Illinois if they want to pull off the win in Allen Fieldhouse. KU's a three-point favorite, and that's because they're at home. Really, Vegas is seeing this as a straight-down-the-middle game. UConn has probably been the better team so far this year. But other than the K-State-KU game in Bramlage later on this year, this is going to be the best environment in college basketball this season. It's much-watched TV at 8 o'clock on ESPN2, which, boy, ESPN... Instead of this game being on ESPN, they're going to have an NBA doubleheader. I think there's a um, 76ers Celtics game, but uh, KU UConn will tip off at eight o'clock. And then the it was a it was reported yesterday uh, with Lance Leipold not necessarily reporting this, but he you know making some adjustments to his coaching staff now co offensive co defensive coordinators. That's all because uh, KU officially today lost its offensive coordinator in Andy Kultanicki. Let's jump back a couple of weeks when the K-State-KU game was coming up. And I had, of course, stressed that I was very worried about that game. K-State won 31-27 thanks to some major breaks. Defense needing to change a few things up, get a little bit more trickier. And the offense obviously had to score some points and take advantage of the mistakes that KU made. But heading into that game, I was extremely worried. That was... that was very close to KU winning. They're a much improved team, obviously, with Lance Leipold now as the head coach. But it was the offense of KU that really bothered me. And I didn't have a single conversation with anybody else, whether it was Derek Young, Curry Sexton, Wyatt Thompson. We did not have a KU conversation without bringing up the name Andy Kultanicki. Lance Leipold today lost his right-hand man. The reason I say that is because Andy Kultanicki has been extremely pivotal and huge and important when it comes to 
the success of KU football with now Lance Leipold as a head coach. Because the biggest flip to me took place on the offensive side of the football. Where two years ago, KU couldn't do a thing hardly on offense for the last 13 years. And now the last two years, the respect for KU football offensively is on a completely another level. The rankings when it comes to stats from rushing to yards per play to points per game have skyrocketed. And that is because of Andy Koltanicki. And that is somebody Lance Leipold was extremely comfortable with. Because it's not just a KU relationship. It was a Buffalo relationship. Go even further back to D3 Wisconsin-Whitewater, where Koltanicki was an offensive coordinator for Lance Leipold, and obviously they were extremely successful. Skip to the Buffalo days. They were together through the whole time at the run with the Bulls. And Koltanicki, in his offense, broke so many Buffalo records, all-time offensive records, Some of them were just absolutely demolished because of the offense from Andy Koltanicki. And now, KU's offense is is another monster. It can be when it's hitting its stride. What Andy Koltanicki did so well, um, I would say, and we knew this heading into the K-State-KU game, the on-field assignments – Using motion, the wide the option game, the wide range of option concepts could be so confusing to a really good defense like K State, and it took a long time for K State to shut that down. Right, not even shut it down, slow it down. And even towards the end of the game, it wasn't necessarily slowed down. They were still moving the football, but the K State defense had to go force some turnovers, and they did. They got into the mind of a true freshman in Cole Ballard, and that's another thing about that KU offense. You know, two of those three quarterbacks that played this year were part of the previous staff. And now Jalen Daniels, first team all Big 12 preseason. Devin Neal, first team all Big 12 preseason. Daniel Hyshaw is a great running back. I mean, the running attack from KU is on another level. Huge part of that is Andy Koltenicki. Well, now he's been hired at Penn State. James Franklin is now his boss, and Lance Leipold no longer has his right-hand man. That's where KU's offseason has become very interesting. Very interesting. Because Leipold is now looking for a new OC, something he hasn't done in 11 years. Very rarely do you see a head coach at multiple levels of college football hang on to a staffer like that especially in a prime position of offensive coordinator. And I saw the, the the complaints from KU fans wasn't paying him enough. There wasn't enough effort to pay him enough. I think KU did put in the effort. I don't think it's a, it was a competitive effort, though. And I don't know if KU is quite at that spot yet to be making those kind of moves. I think Colton Nicky was making a half mil or something like that. Uh, you know, Big 10 OCs, a lot of them are making over a million dollars. I think Ohio State has one of the highest paid offensive coordinators, and it's like $1.6 million. I mean, K-State did the right thing in the last offseason, not only giving Chris Klein an extension, but went to work, got the money, started to divvy it up, and everybody was getting that pay raise. 
K-State fans, we are extremely lucky that we've had not only Colin Klein for the last couple of years turning down Notre Dame, also helps that he's a legacy. He's a legend at K-State. And he felt at the point in time K-State was the right home. Colin Klein most likely will not be here forever, especially if he has the, the goal to be a head coach, obviously. But also Joe Klarman, who's been here since 2020. I mean, you want to talk about another guy that's going to be highly sought after. Back-to-back years having a top three defense in the Big 12. People are going to want to come get him, but now they're getting paid more competitive money. That's over $800,000 a year. So it's interesting to see how KU responds. And it's Lance Leipold, you know, I used to call him lackluster Lance. Let's be fair, KU football the last couple of years have not been lackluster with the attention they're stealing from college football fans. The casual fans were now like, oh, hey, KU football's good. Oh, Duke basketball's good. Kentucky, or, uh, Duke football's good. Kentucky football is good. These basketball schools are now good at football. Well, KU was wrapped up into all that, and it was really good timing for all this to happen for them where it got national attention. But I will tell you, there is more drama on the KU side than there is the K-State side. Let's be real about that because I've seen on social media K-State fans worried about transfer portal. I think there's over 10 now from this roster that has jumped into the portal after an 8-4 and four season, a little bit, honestly, of a disappointing season. Cats not running it back. They're not going to the Big 12 championship. A real heartbreaker loss to Iowa State, to Texas, these close losses, and you don't want to lose the last one at home. You wanted to go undefeated. But this is the day and age of college football, and I want to make this very clear. The exits from K-State in this portal, that is absolutely not a sign of bad things brewing in K-State football. This is not a locker room issue. This is not a relationship issue. It's not a coaches versus player type of issue. It is nothing like that. It's a wide range of reasons why K-State players are and players around the country are jumping into the portal. Some of it has to do with NIL. Some of it has to do, and this is not just football, but it's I know this happens with K-State soccer. I know it happens uh, potentially with baseball and these teams that have – I'm sure it actually happens with everybody, but you see it more with the bigger rosters, obviously. As coaches just having conversation with maybe some younger players or players that have been around for a year or two and don't really have a shot at playing on the field, you have to have honest conversations with them and be like, hey, it's just not working out. Let's we got to move on. And I've talked about this before. It's kind of the behind the scenes of of college athletics that not a lot of people know about. Things are fine here at K State, but as of right now, I mean, we are just so lucky to have the staff that K State has. KU right now, KU fans are are going through an experience right now that they're not used to. They have lost a coach for doing something good. That doesn't happen to Lawrence when it comes to football. And it could be heartbreaking. Totally understand. I get it. Stressful day. Big basketball game. You just lost your OC, who was a huge part in the turnaround of KU football. Now, that's not the only drama I do see with KU athletics. And really, it's not. I Maybe I shouldn't use the word drama. It's just, uh, if you're a KU fan, it's disappointing, right? But also, I'm, I'm, I'm very suspicious about Jalen Daniels. 
who hasn't played since the fourth game or third or fourth game of of the regular season all of a sudden becomes unhealthy to play against Texas dealing with the back issue and then right before the K-State KU game kind of hushes the speculation about the future of Jalen Daniels who says he's not done he only said rock truck that was really the only reference in his video to staying at KU I'm not exactly convinced that Jalen Daniels is sticking around at KU those are two very interesting storylines to watch meanwhile for K-State football they just flipped a recruit they flipped a commit from Wyoming corner in I'm, I'm not sure how to say his first name Zayshon or Zayshon Rich three-star kid who um, actually was offered by K-State. I think this was four days after, and I get my information from Derek Young, who was a big help on this, helps me out greatly with the recruiting. So check out K-State online for a lot of recruiting news. But received his uh, offer from K-State four days after he committed to uh, Wyoming and became very interested in K-State because this is a Power 5 opportunity, but he, he's checking a lot of boxes for K-State. They like his size. They like his speed. He's very quick. He's tall. He's lanky. He's a, he's a player. He really is. So K-State feels very strong about this commitment, very encouraging commitment after K-State's lost a couple of quarters in the portal. There's a possibility for an opportunity for him down the road. 11th commit for the class. Fourth on defense. Um, and I, I will say, I want to watch a couple of things potentially this weekend. Uh, well, one in particular, when it comes to recruiting, um, there is a possibility a four-star wide receiver might commit to K-State here very soon. And Trey Davis, he's out of Texas. Let's keep an eye on that. I was asked a question on social media earlier today about transfer portal, uh, what K-State will need. You know, I don't know if I can necessarily answer that question. I have a couple of ideas but one of those ideas, or actually both of them, are based on who I feel might jump into the portal. So I want to be careful with speculation. And I'm not sure I'm going to mention names right now because I'm not exactly sure, but I do have my suspicions. But wide receiver and defensive end is right now where I lean in transfer portal needs for K-State. Uh, here very soon. Portal actually opening, I believe, on Monday, signing day, a uh, little less than three weeks away. So this is a very pivotal uh, recruiting time before the dead period starts. So um, now it'll be very interesting to watch. Um, you know, decisions are still being made by seniors. Uh, well, actually, you know, Christian Moore, who Watt has decided to transfer. He's a tight end who, uh, quite frankly, is getting outplayed by not only a, a senior like Ben Sennett, but a freshman in Garrett Oakley, who's going to be most likely stepping up and taking those first string snaps next season. You know, Christian Moore is going to always be known for as the guy that caught the record breaking touchdown pass for Will Howard. But I mean, that's that, that's a good example of a kid that's just wants more with his final days of eligibility. He just wants more, most likely. Don't know that for a fact, but most likely. Christian Moore, yes, he caught that touchdown pass against Baylor for Will Howard. That was his only catch of the season. I, I understand that he's going to want more. All right, let's take a break. When do we come back? K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty. We'll hear from coaches. This team plays tonight against Jackson State. That's next on the game.
We're back in the game. Mitch Fortner and Travion Berkland running on the board as Troy Coverdale will join us in hour number two. He's out in uh, Hayes, America. Meanwhile, David G. also out today. Um, don't know if we're going to get him for many Friday shows as he's a pretty busy guy. Uh, heading up to Lincoln, Nebraska. He'll see his old man. Casey Women's Basketball 6-1 and one, coming off a loss to... Top five team in Iowa cannot beat them for the second straight time this year. 77 to 70, the final score. Uh, you know, let me go and just get to uh, the MIDI stuff first. Uh, then I'll give you some thoughts on where I think K State women's basketball is at right now, 14th ranked in the nation. Um, this was from a couple of days ago. It's our weekly talk with K State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty, except it's in uh, it's like in press conference form. Earlier this week with Coach Mitty takeaways were from playing three straight games, two against top 25 opponents in a rematch against Iowa. Would you take yeah. away from that experience? You know, I felt like we'd know a lot more about our basketball team uh, when we got back here, and I think yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, we had a uh, good start to the tournament against Western Kentucky, a, a team that plays in a lot of chaos. thought our group handled that very well. Fast forward then to the North Carolina game, a team that has um, plays with some chaos but does it with high-level physical bodies. They made more multiple runs at us late in that game and uh, we handled them very well so I liked our late game situations I liked how we handled that Uh, and then you know twice we got down double digits against Iowa and I sure liked our response and uh, take the lead with I don't know 245 to go and and uh, just a great basketball game and it took great plays by Iowa to beat us there are things that we can clean up from that um, but uh, all in all it was a good trip for us it was a great trip. We had to beat Iowa. It was a good trip. We uh, came back, I think, a better basketball team. Were your legs defensively where they needed to be in that third day to play the type of defense you needed to to try to slow down Iowa? I thought we were fine. Yeah, I think the strength staff has done a great job. Training staff's done a great job. Uh, I thought we were fine. I, I didn't uh, notice that at all. There was never a time in that game where I said to my staff, we just don't have our legs. Uh, no, I felt like we were good. I felt like uh, everybody was playing hard, and uh, um, I just think Clark made great plays. I mean, she she hits seven threes. She gets a couple of them to go late. You know, those are great plays by a great player. You have your highest ranking since you've been here at K-State. Is that something you pay attention to, or is that something you don't want to pay attention, don't want your players to pay attention to? You know, I, I, I think this. Uh, you're always wanting to be ranked. You're always uh, aspiring to um, be as highly ranked as you can be. But the number is a number that's a product of winning games, having good practices, doing things well. So, no, for me, there will be zero focus on that number because I always felt like this was a good basketball team. I didn't need somebody else to validate that with a ranking. But um, we know in today's world, you know, it's, it's always been that way, right? It's always been that way. My dad loves it because you, you now you see your score scroll across the bottom of ESPN, right? You know, and, and fans love it and players love it. But things that got us to that are quality basketball. Defensively, I've liked the way we've dug in against people. Offensively, I think we're still coming. I think we're, we're learning. So all of those things are um, – but it's exciting to be ranked and it's exciting for our fans, and uh, that's always good. Zayana Walker's been – really impressive here in the early going uh just what what sort of impact has she brought to your team and did you expect her to be such a, a key contributor early on as in her first season here yeah we we did we expected zai uh, from the moment she got on the floor this summer there were a couple things we found out right away really competitive really talented 
where I've been even more impressed is we were looking at who is going to be a defensive stopper for us. We were doing some drills that um, we would throw three or four different ones in that drill to see. Everybody kept coming to me was, Zai's got the mentality. She's got the mentality. She takes on whatever challenge. Doesn't matter if she's guarding a point guard or a post. She's got the mentality. Well, we've seen that, and we've seen Jalen Glenn. So there are times when... Uh, you know, if Jay picks up a foul, we can slide Zai to that player now. We didn't have those options maybe a year ago. So, uh, and then offensively, um, you know, we needed a player that could get downhill more. And uh, she's one that uh, can do that. In the past three games, Serena's hit double figures all three games. Didn't do that in the, the first four. Uh, was that a conversation you had with her about wanting to see her be more aggressive on the offensive end? Or is that just how circumstances turned out? We can call it a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I've been pushing her to be more aggressive. And I think she was spending a lot of time trying to get everybody involved offensively. And um, she just needed a push that way. As a point guard, you know, one of the things, it is your job to get everybody involved. It is your job to to, to do that. But I think she was doing it, um, you know, it was probably a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know, we can't play four on five out there. You know, yeah, you're doing a good job of this, but you're too good of a player to do that. You have to be a threat. And, uh, you know, she really took that to heart and really made some big plays, uh, particularly in the North Carolina game. Uh, you look at uh, late in the game, I mean, she got herself to the free throw line twice in critical situations. So, uh, yeah, she's playing very well. Thoughts on Jackson State in this portion of the schedule, like a take care of business type of part of the schedule before Mizzou comes up? I'd say uh, be careful uh, that you don't judge a team by its name. They beat St. John's a week ago. They uh, beat Texas Tech a year ago. Uh, they've got 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six inside. Pretty good depth. They, they, they've been a, a program that has used the portal a lot. And a lot of the portal that they have I'm familiar with. Maya Crump, for example, is a really good player. So, uh, yeah, this is a very dangerous team, and it's a team that um, expects to win. They expect to win a championship, and I think those teams are always challenging because they, they're, it's different than some teams. So this would be a game that um, concerns me coming out of the tournament because of all the things you mentioned. You, know, you come off playing North Carolina. You come off playing Iowa. All of them have great name recognition. But uh, when that ball's thrown up, nobody cares what – your jersey says on it um and i can assure you jackson state they'll care because they'll be the other way they'll be like oh we got a, you know an opportunity to play kansas state they're coming off pretty good tournament that was a good win over st john's they're i like their team i'm, I'm early into looking at them but uh, their team's pretty solid once again that's k-state women's basketball coach jeff mitty that was from a couple of days ago talking about the recent trip for the cats where they won two out of three in florida now they got Jackson State coming up tonight at 6.30. Just want to share just a couple of thoughts on where K-State women's basketball is at right now. First of all, 14th ranked in the nation, highest ranking in uh, 14 years. Um, we knew heading into the year this, this team had a chance to be really solid, and they're really solid so far. They're 6-1. and one. They're a top 15 team about to take on Jackson State. This is going to be a team that is going to – Steal a lot of attention. They're going to do some damage this year. I think they've been absolutely stellar defensively. I mean, three-point shooting against this K-State defense is 21.5%. That is one of the best marks in the nation this year. Teams are only shooting 35% from the field against this team. K-State's only given up 54 points a game. Cats are swatting the basketball. They're rebounding. 
They're forcing turnovers. I mean, in the first four games, I think they were averaging, um, they were forcing 19 or 20 turnovers a game. And one of those games was Iowa, one of the best teams in the nation. And Iowa coughed up 16 of them on their own floor. K-State needs to be better offensively. They are averaging 71 points a game. The shooting numbers aren't looking beautiful yet. And I think they will start to during this current stretch of the of, of the season where they have truly battled through a tough non-conference where they've played three tournament teams, potentially four, maybe even five. So they've had a tough schedule like the K-State men have. They're not hitting shots at a clip you would expect a top 15 team to make. They're 30% from three, 45 46% from the field. Um, again, averaging 71 points. Um, you know, Aoka Lee's averaging 19 points a game right now. She is doing her thing. Serena Sendell has really stepped up in the last three games. She's now averaging 11 points, five rebounds, four assists, a block a game. Um, you're looking more from a player like Gabby Gregory, who can shoot lights out. It's just unfortunate she's off to a slow start this year. Although she's been pivotal in some games, don't get me wrong. Just because a three ball isn't there yet, she's still finding some points. Averaging seven a game. Um, and then Jalen Glenn and Briley Glenn are averaging less than six points a game. You would like to see more out of them as well. But the reason K-State has done so well this year is because of its depth. And that starts with Zy Walker. The transfer from Louisville, um, I mean, Kansas kid. What what a pickup this was so far for for Jeff Mitty's team. She's averaging eight points in 19 minutes per game. Um, doesn't shoot the ball from three much, but she's 50% so far. Um, you know, she's about 50% from the field as a guard, um, which is really good. Doesn't really turn it over too much. Plus, she's just been really good on the defensive side. I mean, against Caitlin Clark, she's been one of the key role players in that spot for K-State. You know, Gisela Sanchez, who is on the uh, Spain national team, um, and right now, I mean, not scoring much right now. She's actually, I shouldn't say that, six and a half points a game. She's not shooting from three well yet, but she can be a lethal shooter. Hopefully that does come soon. And let me tell you guys, Taryn Sides is going to be a sniper at some point in her career. When her role grows and her confidence grows and she shoots the ball a little bit more, she can be a deadly threat from three. The Phillipsburg freshman, we've seen glimpses of it. It'll take off sooner or later, but you just want to see more scoring and better shooting right now from a from a top 15 team. Let's see what happens tonight. They take on Jackson State at 630. Uh, game is on our sister station, Sunny 102.5, as we have Manhattan High Hoops tonight here on K-Man. But I hope to see you out there tonight at Bramlage. We take a break. Let's do a number one song when we come back.